0: We would like to welcome you this morning to Abundant Life Ministries as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. Well, if you will this morning, turn with me to the book of Hebrews. You know, as we just jump in the middle of a book and to a few verses, I like to kind of set the stage for the context of what's happening. In the book of Hebrews... There's three main sections that we find within this book. The first section deals with chapters 1 to 6. It deals with the supremacy of Christ, the supreme person. The second part, from chapter 7 into chapter 10, deals with the supreme priesthood, the priesthood of Christ and Melchizedek. And in chapters 11 to 13 we see a supreme principle specifically dealing with what we call faith. And so this morning I would like to look at the supreme principle of faith which falls here into the context of Hebrews chapter 11. And we'll be specifically looking at Hebrews 11, 1 to 7. And so if you will, let's turn there together and read this morning our text of Scripture. Hebrews 11... 1 to 7. I'm reading from the New American Standard. I encourage you to bring your Bible. Who's got your Bible? Raise your Bible. Hey, we still get to keep slides. Hey, we learn learning, you know. We took slides away for a while because nobody was bringing a Bible, but boy, I like it when everybody lifts their Bible. That's good. Well, let's read. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained the testimony about his gifts and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household by which he commended the world, condemned the world, and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Faith. That's our topic this morning. It's something that you and I will have to come across at some point in our lives, no matter how spectacular our lives, no matter how poor we are, or rich we are, or no matter how healthy we are, or wealthy and wise we are, we all at some point have to deal with faith. And that is why I think understanding key words throughout this chapter will help us understand when it speaks about faith. Faith. There are three points that I want to leave you with this morning, three basic topics that I think will help you as you begin to consider where you are in your walk and how much faith God has allotted to you. Number one, we, we need to see an explanation of faith. We need to see an explanation of faith. Secondly, we need to see an example of faith. And thirdly, we need to see an evidence of faith. I want us to really understand what faith is and what it means so that we can evaluate our lives and begin to see truly where we are and if we're living our lives by this what we call word faith or to ask ourselves a question to see if we've really if we've maybe built a facade so to speak of faith within our Christian minds a facade is an outward appearance that is maintained to conceal a less pleasant or credible reality. And I don't know about you, but I feel like we are living in times in which we must live lives of extreme faith. The culture's against us, the world's against us. We are seeing more persecution in today than we've seen in the last four or five years because of media. We actually get to see it unfold before our very eyes. And I want to be reminded of what it is to live by faith. You know, many people think just because I'm a preacher, well, I live by faith all the time. No, I have to be reminded of what it is to live by faith. Because in my life, just like in your life, we go through different trials and different temptations and different things, and we have to be reminded on a regular basis of what it is to live by faith. And so, I want to be reminded so that I can live by faith when things are going good and even more so while things are not going so good. And so that brings us to the first point. Understanding that we need to see an explanation of faith. The author of Hebrews seems to think that it's a very important word Very important for you and I to understand, to grasp the correct definition of faith in what it really is. But Webster gives this definition of faith. They say it's a firm belief in something for which there is no proof. It says a belief and a trust and loyalty to God, an allegiance to, to duty or a person. Well, I would like to make a few comments. I want you to understand this morning, faith is not believing in something in which there is no proof. And the fact that you and I are here this morning, that we exist, is proof in itself that there is a God and that He exists. It might not be good enough proof to some to convince them of it, But it is proof because nothing comes from nothing. So yes, we have proof that there is God because things exist in our world. When you were out on that river this weekend or you were out on that hike or walking out on that beach and playing in the sand as the waves came in or whatever you was doing this week, we should have been reminded that God exists, that something created everything that we see. The fact that we have DNA within our body and our makeup is only possible by a God that created it. When we begin to understand and see how the body functions and how children are made within the womb and how they are formed and, and how everything comes together, and it's it's a something only God can construe together. So faith is not just simply proofless. That's the Webster's Dictionary meaning. These are definitions that are sufficient for some things, but the question is, are these definitions sufficient for what the author is trying to express to us in Hebrews chapter 11? Well, I think that it would be wise to look at the Greek word and to understand what it is that we find as we translate into English faith. Well, it's pistis. The word is used 243 times in the New Testament. And it means this, complete confidence. The question is, in what? We can have faith in lots of different things, right? We can have faith that, uh, I'm going to make it through this sermon. I might kill over right here. That's a reality. But you're pretty you know, faithful that the AC is going to stay on while we're sitting in here and it's not going to get like 90 degrees like it was during graduation. We place faith in those chairs in which you sit in that they're going to hold you up through this whole thing, but they could eventually just fall. We take by faith a lot of things. Well, if you remember, there is a passage of Scripture that teaches us how we can obtain this faith that here in Hebrews is talking about. Romans 10, 17 says this, So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing the Word of God. You want to know why here at Abundant Life we open up these pages of Scripture? Because we believe that the very faith that takes someone from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God and receives forgiveness for their sins who are set apart by faith in Christ come from hearing the Word of God. And I know it's not a popular thing in our culture to read the Word of God. We want to get in the pulpit and tell stories and tickle ears. But if we're going to see true, genuine faith where people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ and they're being transformed, they're being moved in their relationship with Jesus, and they're actually living out the Christian lifestyle instead of simply claiming it, then we believe that it comes from preaching the Word of God. And it's truth. So faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So faith is complete confidence in God's Word. His promises. And so when we see people living by faith, we see them being confident in the very Word of God. You see, when we are found lacking in faith, what that essentially says is that we're lacking in the Word of God. We've missed it in God's Word. We don't understand the promises of God. Can we agree that sometimes we're all guilty of that? that sometimes we don't really want to buy into that God's going to deliver me out of this. I wonder about Joseph as he was was ripped of his clothes and thrown into a pit, and as his brothers sat there and ate lunch right outside of the hole. If Joseph wondered, hmm, this is great. God's in control. I bet he was down in that hole wondering what in the world God was doing. But, when we live by faith, we're saying we're confident in the very words of God. He knew the dream that he was given. He knew what would become of it. His brothers knew what would become of it. His daddy knew what would become of it. And that's why he was in the hole. So maybe, just maybe he was in that hole trusting this will come about because God has given me that vision. When we are found lacking in faith, we are lacking in His Word. And that's why it's important that we study His Word. That we read it on an individual basis. That we pour into it. That we, that we begin to do what we call the inductive Bible study method. That we observe it. That we interpret it. And that we apply it to our lives so that we can be transformed from the inside out. That is why when we look at verse 1 of chapter 11, we see they give the biblical definition The author thinks enough about faith to give a good understanding of what it means. And so he says here, Now faith is being sure of what's hoped for and certain of what we do not see. Being sure is the same thing as being certain. It means complete confidence. But let me tell you what. A false faith brings about a phony faith. False hope brings about a phony faith. We can come in faith and have this hope and it be false and will lead us to phony faith. And so what's important is that we begin to understand what we're placing our hope in. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see it's being sure of what we hope for, then in order to understand faith, we must have greater understanding of what we and you and I are hoping for. I think too many times in our Christian walk, we have hopes that the Bible don't give us. And we place our hope in that, and therefore it looks like our faith is all in shambles because we've placed our hope in something that Christ and God never intended us to hope in. Some people... Maybe this morning they've placed their hope in materialism. Maybe they want all of the fancy, spancy things, all of the big houses, the nice vehicles, the big cars, the money, the fat bank account. They've placed their hope in that because they've listened to some prosperity preacher tell them if they just sow this seed that God would bless them with all of those things. See, what they've done is they've forgotten that Jesus said, go sell all that you have to the rich young ruler. And he got sad because he couldn't do it. The very thing God calls us to get rid of is what some place their hope in. And they've built a phony faith because they've placed their faith in something not intended on. If I can remind you that faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God, then our hope is not based off of something other than God's Word. And if it is, then we built a faith on a foundation built on sand, not a foundation built on a rock. And when the storms of life come, when the difficulties come, when the financial burdens come, when, when the people don't show up, when all of these things begin to unfold and we begin to rack our brains and we begin to ask, God, what is it you're doing? And it washes away all that we've built on our faith. And the storms of life will begin to erode this facade that we've built. And it will wash away all the faith that we thought we had. I don't know about you this morning, but I want to be 100% certain that my faith is solid. And it's built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And no matter what happens in this world, no matter what situation comes my way, though it may be difficult, though it may be painful, though it may be hurtful, I can always trust that God is in control. There is comfort in that. There is joy in that. There's peace in that. So that when you get that news from the doctor and they say you've got six months to live, That's okay. I'll live that six months of my life trusting and relying in Jesus Christ that He tells me from His Word that one day there will be no more pain and suffering. You know, our school right now is in difficulties. We sent out a letter this week and we said, Hey, listen, you know, our student numbers are down. We've got 32 registered, maybe 33 with the possibility of some more. But if we don't reach 50 students at Abundant Life, then we might not be able to open the doors. Are you okay with that? Let me tell you something this morning. When our faith is in the sovereignty of God, when we have a faith built on a foundation like Jesus, we're okay with whatever God's doing. You see, when Joseph was in the hole, he didn't realize that God was selling him into Egypt so that he could be put into Potiphar's house, so that he could be the leader, so that he could eventually accomplish what God delivered to him that would happen. It looked bad, but listen, God was in control. God causes all things to work together. That should encourage us to have this solid faith. The question that we have to ask, what are the promises of God? That's what we hope for, the promises of God. Can anybody give me the book, the chapter, the verse that God says He's going to keep the doors open to this school? So, if we place our hope in that, then that's a false hope, right? But He does say that He will accomplish His goal and that He will cause all things to work together for good. So we can stand on that. And say, I'm going to place my faith in that. That listen, if those doors don't open, then God's got a bigger plan. God loves those kids more than I love those kids. God loves you and everyone in this church more than I love you. And because of my plans, keep getting shattered. And what I think is going to work, don't work. And what you think is going to work, don't work. And we try everything. God's simply saying, sit back and, and have peace and comfort knowing I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to take care of it. And you can bet your bet that God is not going to let one of those kids die and go to hell if they will choose Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying He's going to close the doors. My prayer is that He keeps those doors open, that this church continues to thrive and to grow and to be conformed more to the image of Christ, and that we get our house in order, and that we begin to to become a lighthouse to the community of Hardyville. But in the midst of that, we have to have a faith that is irremovable, that's found in Jesus Christ. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28-29 says, Come to me all who are weary and burdened. We got any of those folks here this morning? I don't know about you, but I'm weary and I'm burdened. If you're not, we need to have lunch together. I need some encouragement. Come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I was saying that the other night at, Yesterday, day before yesterday at 2 o'clock in the morning. God, give me rest. One man told me when I was in Montana preaching, he said, You know what, Stuart, you might as well go to sleep. God's up all night anyways. Let him worry about it. How true is that? I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Who needs rest? Who is weary? Who is burdened? Are we being faithful this morning by having confidence in God that His Word is true? He says that you will find rest in His soul. In your soul. Isaiah 40, 29, 31 says, He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired. And young men will fall in exhaustion, but those who trust in the Lord, He will give new strength. We could preach a message called, The New Strength. That's what I want. I want to watch everybody around me fall tired, and yet I want a new strength that says, how can this dude keep going on because we're trusting in Jesus Christ? Our faith, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Ain't there a song like that? He will supply all of our needs. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary and they will walk and not faint. Let me tell you, that's got to be done through Jesus Christ. Because it don't take but about 45 minutes of going out and mowing grass and weeding, and you feel like you're going to faint. Okay? It's hot outside. And so in order for us to understand this passage and put our hope in that, is to put our faith in the power and the work of Jesus Christ, that He can accomplish all things for us. Do you feel weak this morning? you feel powerless? Well, He promises that it is. That if you trust in the Lord, you will find this new strength. Do you have complete confidence in God's word? That's faith. I'm reminded of Philippians 4:19, and the same God who takes, and, and and this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from His glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. You see, the center point here is not me or my agenda or my desires or my thoughts or my goals, but it's Jesus Christ. Are you needy today? Are you in financial troubles? Have faith in God that He will supply all of your needs. Hear this, by the way. What you think you need may not be what you need. Would you agree with that? How many times have you said, I need this. And you get it and you realize you didn't need it. Well, listen, I think many times we go to God and we say we need this and we fail to realize God knows our needs. And He promises to supply our needs. You see, we made it through last year, didn't we? Did, did we come out positive on like, did we come out making millions? No. He supplied just what we needed. And He will supply for us that which we need if we trust. That might not be what we want. He says, I'll give you what you need. Are you needed today? We need the faith. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added into you. You see, priorities, perspective, that's where we need to be. Focusing on what God wants and trusting in Him. God knows our needs. He knows that this school needs a certain amount of students. We picked the number, right? As if we know what we need. We pick the number based off of a budget. But God knows what we need. And so we have to trust that He knows what this ministry needs. Because I'm reminded in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, he says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Would you not agree with that? <laughs> nor are my ways your nor are your ways my ways. Amen to that. Declares the Lord. For as As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so, to have faith in God, we must understand that God is above our realm of understanding. So, have faith that God will give us what we need to have complete confidence for our lives for our school, for our church, for our community, for our nation, for our leadership of America. Romans eight thirty seven to 39 says, No, despite all things, overwhelmingly, victory is ours through Christ. You see, all of it boils down and points to Christ, who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither fear for today, no worries about tomorrow, not even the power of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing at all. Creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you feel this morning that life is a spinning out of control? I do. Do you feel that this this you're living this life of separation sometimes? I do. Do you feel that there's this void, this emptiness, this distance between you and your God? Through maybe the loss of a loved one, you're you're struggling through difficulties, maybe through a continual sin in your life which has hindered your joy in the Lord and your fellowship in the church? I want you to understand this morning, not even hell can separate you from the love of God this morning. No demons, no devils, no power from above or below can separate you from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. The question that you have to ask yourself is, are you crucified this morning with Christ? Are you in Christ? Or better say, is Christ in you? If you are, I want to encourage you to have faith. Have complete confidence in God's promises. You see the word faith when spoken here in verses 1, verse 3, 4, 5, 6, twice in verse 7 are always followed by obedience. True faith Accepting with complete confidence to the point moves us to obey God and believe His promises that God has given to us. Our sole purpose in this life is to bring glory to God and enjoy Him forever. We bring glory to God by living lives through faith. Would you not agree that when you see somebody living on faith, it's pretty astounding to see what kind of lives they lived and how God is, has has ministered through that faith to somebody else. But in a culture that says we need to have everything right now, which everybody's impacted by, we miss out on living in faith because we want security. We want to know just how many students we have. We want to know the the precise number. Now, I understand that in the realm of other people's money, okay, we don't need to be living on faith with their money. Right? I mean, you might might be all right with me uh, living on faith with my checkbook, but you don't want me living on my faith with your checkbook. At least I don't want you living on faith with my checkbook. And so we have to be careful in understanding what it is to live on faith while also running and maintaining a church and a school. And that's why we set a budget. Now the budget still isn't really enough to give us what we need, but we said, God, if you provide this amount of students, then we will trust you to give us the remainder amount. We can make it here. But it's going to take sacrifices on the staff. But we we will trust in you if you give us this number. There's still faith, but there's accountability as well. True faith is having complete confidence. And while our sole purpose is to bring glory to God and enjoy Him forever, faith is how we live that out. What better way to glorify God than to stand on His promises? If you are not this morning believing in the promises of God and enjoy Him, how can we expect to give hope to the community in which is hurting and in and, and shambles? Have y'all... I mean, some people live in Hardyville. Who lives in Hardyville? I think we've got one family in our church who lives in Hardyville. Think about that. we got one family who lives in Hardyville in this church. What's that tell you of what's going on out there? They're struggling. They're struggling. And how can we give them hope and assurance if we don't have faith to give God glory? We've seen the explanation of faith from the world, from the Greek... And from the Bible, but secondly, we need to see an example of faith. I don't know about you, but as a human, as a, as a man, I, I like to see things. I'm a visionary kind of guy. Like, tell me a story, that's great, but show me the movie. Okay? Like, I can read it, it just don't do it for me, i got to watch the movie. And then it's like, yeah, I like that much better. It encourages me, it gives me Hope. That I can through the strength and the power of Christ accomplish these things like so many have done throughout the Word of God. Throughout the Bible. And some in more recent history. All of the missionaries that, that, that served and lived their lives by faith that, that didn't have food for dinner and somebody would knock on the door and here's you some bread and they would eat dinner. Some of you even living on faith sometimes and watch God Espound miracles in your life that you could just say, you know what, there is only one way that that just happened. And that's because God is invested into my life. He is transcendent, meaning He's far away, but yet He's intimate. He's involved in my life. And when you experience those moments by living on faith, again, when you step out on faith, God comes through and He shows you He can truly provide. It's then when God's reality becomes real to you. And we miss out because sometimes we don't like to live on faith. Because we like the security of knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. And I'm just as guilty as anybody. So we need to see examples of faith. These men of the Bible were people just like you and I. They struggled, they failed, but they lived lives of faith and obedience. And here in chapter 11, we call this the the hall of faith. We see many people that made major impacts in our history. Because they had a firm foundation that was built upon Jesus Christ in faith. Complete confidence in God and in His Word. And because they had faith, they were obedient. You know, Virgil this morning brought some great wisdom to the, to the Sunday School class. And we asked the question, why does bad things happen to good people? And, and we talked about how God in the midst of those difficulties can, can be glorified and, and He can use those moments to, to accomplish His purpose. But too many times as, as Christians we live our lives in, in something that's not pleasing to God and then we want to know what God's doing. We want to know why God isn't coming through. And the reality is that sometimes we put ourselves in situations and God ain't just going to pull us out of that hole. He's going to let us smolder in that and use it as a life lesson. And so make sure that when we have confidence in something, that it matches up to this. We don't live lives that, that don't match up to the Word of God and expect God to bless it. We have to make sure that, that everything is built upon the foundation of God's Word. And then we can put our hope in our faith that God will take care of it. And so here we see in verse 5 that because Enoch had faith, he had complete assurance he would never taste death, And he he was taken up, it says. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life, so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For he was taken. He was commended as one who pleased God. Verse 6 tells us how important faith really is. As he says, faith is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Faith and believe come from the same Greek word. They mean the same thing, to have confidence in. We see that having this kind of confidence in God pleases God. It pleased Him so much that He took Enoch up with Him. And then we find in verse 7, it tells us about the faith of Noah. Noah. Now what it doesn't tell us is all of the difficulties that Noah faced while he had faith. It doesn't tell us about all the ridicule that he must have had that, that he would have gotten. It doesn't tell us the impact that he endured for seeing, seeing people look at him like he was foolish. It doesn't tell us that in the midst of building this boat that was one and a half sizes of a football field, that those people had never seen rain. It's going to rain. Water is going to fall from the sky and it's going to fill up the earth. Oh, you fool. You crazy old man. Yet, it simply tells us that he complete his process, his project by complete confidence in the warnings of God. God warned. He had confidence. God speaks to his word. We place our faith in that. And he didn't see those things until they came. But yet, he had faith. And that was good enough for God. And so by faith, in God's warning, he built the ark. Which would be his place of salvation. His means by which God would save him and seven others. It was a faith that saved. Noah had faith in things not seen because God gave him warnings. And he listened and listened. When God speaks to us through His Word, that's why we should read His Word because He does speak to us through His Word. When we read His Word and He speaks to us through His Word, we can place our faith in that. When I came across a prophet in the Old Testament the other day, it spoke to my heart. It gave me confidence in being able to have faith in God even in the midst of hardships. I was sitting in my office thinking about Sealy Lake, Montana. My wife and I and my children ministered there for two years prior to coming here. And I was thinking about what a blessing it was, and but yet how difficult it was and And how things seemed to be going well and how God began to give us a vision for the church and the direction for the ministry. But in the middle of all of that, I remember how hard it was on my children. And as my daughter brought forth tears one day, she asked the question, why so far from home did, did God send us? And I just... You know, wanted to hug her and tell her oh, it'll be all right, it'll be okay, and you know, she said, I just want the family to be together. And trying to help, I told her, I said, Honey, we have a family here. And she said, I know it's not the same, Daddy. I said, I know, sweetheart, but what's our purpose? What is our objective as Christians? And she responded to glorify God and joy Him forever. Then I opened my Bible to the prophet named Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a prophet which ministered in the late 7th century. It was during the latter times of Assyrians' power and the beginning of the days of Babylon's rule. During this period... Justice and faithfulness had almost disappeared completely. There was mass amounts of wickedness and and violence that had been unchecked. And Habakkuk wanted an answer from God about why he had not intervened. Now we can set ourselves aside. Habakkuk's over here, we're over here, and we say, all right. What is it? In our lives, that we ask God, why won't you give me the answer? Why won't you reveal what it is to us? That's what Habakkuk's doing. Habakkuk 1 2 to 4 says this How long, O Lord, will I call for help and you not hear? I cry out to you, violence, yet you do not save. Why do you make me see iniquity and cause me to look on wickedness? Yes, destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists. Contention arise, Therefore, the law is ignored and justice is never upheld. For the wickedness surrounds the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. Would you not agree that he had a legitimate question? He wants to know why in the world are you allowing this mess to go on? Things don't always go the way we expect. And sometimes I think it's okay to ask God, Why? Why did she leave me? Why did my son end up this way? Why doesn't my ministry seem successful? Why does it seem that they are doing well and we are not? God's people aren't prospering and yet the sinful people are. Why? Why? You see he was facing a true legitimate dilemma in his life and I know that many of you are sitting there this morning facing the same legitimate dilemma. Habakkuk had probably asked God to judge the sin of this place Judah and to bring about revival. Seeking that they turn from their wicked ways and turn back to God but yet Habakkuk was struggling with why God would allow them to become so evil. And just sit there and watch it happen. You see he forgot about God's sovereignty. He forgot about the fact that God's in control. And he looked to his own wisdom. And not to the wisdom of God. Which so many of us do on a daily basis. How can you let things get so bad and not act? Listen I want you to understand this morning, God will give you an answer in His timing. And His timing is not your timing, it's not my timing, but His answer will be what it is, and it will be the best thing for you, and for me, and for us. (coughs) God in His timing gave an answer to Habakkuk. Verse 5 says, Look among the nations, observe... Be astonished, wonder, because I am doing something in your days you would believe that you would not believe even if I were to tell you. I am calling on the Chaldeans to take care of this problem, these people. Now Habakkuk is really in awe of what God is doing. He sought an answer. God gave him an answer. One that Habakkuk could not believe. And so now in the midst of this this crazy thought, how could God use these people, these pagans to overcome Judah? Habakkuk has to no longer seek human wisdom, but place his faith in God. For the Lord tells him in Habakkuk 2.4, Behold for the proud one, His soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by faith. And as we fast forward to chapter 3, we will see a faithful man, a faithful prophet, Habakkuk. And as we read in chapter 3, verse 16 to 19, it says, this man is shaken. He is crying and he is in distress. His very bones feel as if they are decaying. He feels like he could just die. In the very place that he stands and as he trembles. Because now God has answered. And he must wait in silence for the Chaldeans to invade his very place of residency. They are coming to his hometown and are going to destroy it before his very eyes. And though the figs will not blossom, nor the fruit will become... On the vines, no olives will produce, no field will produce food, and the flocks will cut off from the fold, and no longer will cattle be born. Devastation is before them and is inevitable. And they would have thought the figs would have produced and blossomed forever. The grapevines were so successful they seemed to never fail. The olive trees were so strong and long-standing that they seemed to always produce crops. It would have seemed unthinkable to them that the fields and the livestock would stop producing. But even in the midst of these failing promises, Habakkuk includes with what we find here in chapter 3, 18 to 20. Nothing in life is too overwhelming if we are walking in faith, trusting in the complete confidence of the words of God and words of the Lord. I told my daughter Annabelle that by trusting in God, having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you are glorifying Him. There is work to do, and in the midst of your trials, faithfulness is a necessity. God calls us to difficult lives. He doesn't call us to these, these, you know, seemingly walk the aisle, pray the prayer, and next thing you know, it's going to be hunky-dory, life's great. He says, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Not they might persecute persecute, they will persecute you. Difficulties are coming to the Christian community. And difficulties will begin to expound the truth of people's faith if they're truly genuine, saved or not. When the trials come, those who remain, those who persevere to the end will prove that they are truly of the flock of God. But those who leave, those who depart, it says they were never really of us before. Or they would have remained with us. We are given examples of faith in Habakkuk, in Enoch, in the faith of Noah, all complete confident of God's Word and obedience. And so we see that James says, faith without works is dead. You show me your faith without your works, I'll show you my faith by my works. He understands that true faith is always followed by action, by obedience, by following the commands of God not perfect not perfectly not 100% accurate all the time but a lifestyle of persevering faith that continually grows closer to the image of Christ and so to understand true faith we need to understand it affects our behavior and so while we see the example of faith through these men we should it should encourage us but we also need to see an evidence of faith And this is where it becomes personal. What is the evidence that you and I are truly living by faith? That you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in all of His ways. The evidence of your faith is not that one time you prayed a prayer. But the faith, the fact is, is your evidence is that you continue walking with Him. In perseverance. In understanding that he who began a good work over here will complete it. We need to have the evidence of a faithful walk in Christ. And one way to know that is to ask yourselves the question, Do I follow God's commands? Again, not perfectly. But do I desire to follow the commands of God? Matthew 5, 29 and 30 says, If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for the whole body to be cast into hell. If your right hand makes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it from you, for it is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to go into hell. Whatever causes you to sin, listen. Today is the day to begin to rid of it. Throw it away. If you're addicted to pornography, get rid of stinking TV. Whatever sin keeps continually coming up in your life, whether it be eating overweight, make sure you eat a diet. Listen, I'm not saying that that you are perfect or I'm perfect, but we've got to start moving our lives toward the better cause of Christ. And when He calls us to stop doing things, and we don't, we're not showing that we're living by faith. Matthew six nineteen to 21 Do not store up for your treasure, yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also We need to begin to start storing up our treasures in heaven. The fact is, I've been reading a book uh, called The Treasure Principles by Andy uh, uh, Alcorn, Randy Alcorn. And he says this: He says, You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. If you were given a million dollars, and I told you you couldn't spend it, Here in South Carolina, but that you could have it when you went to Georgia, but you had to deposit into the bank account and send it over there. What would you do? Would you spend it all right here in South Carolina or would you deposit it and send it to Georgia? You'd send it to Georgia. Well, some of us would just spend it all, but we should send it to Georgia. Well, the same thing is this you can't carry anything with you when you die. Trust me, I got a yard full of material. For my uncle who's passed away, he took nothing with him. He left the RVs, he left the boats, he left the computers, he left the laptops, he left it all behind. He didn't take anything with him. The question that he's going to have to deal with now is, did he send anything forward? Don't store up your treasures here on earth. Matthew 6, says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We need to begin to make God our highest priority. And He will take care of all of our needs. Matthew 18, 15-17 If your brother sins against you, go and show his fault. Just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you've won your brother over. But if he will not listen to you, take one or two others along. So that this very matter... Every, uh, every matter that may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. For if he refuses to listen to you, tell it to the church. And if you f- refuse to listen to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. We need to begin to resolve disputes in an orderly manner. We live in a culture that loves to backbite and gossip. All of these are evidence of true, genuine faith in Christ because they bring about obedience and all these are commands of Scripture to call us to do something. It says, love your neighbor. Give faithfully. Feed the poor. Look after the widows that have no family. Works don't save. I understand that. Or even help save. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have had to go on to the cross. You could have just been good enough to get there if you'd have done a few things. Galatians 2.20 says, If salvation was by the law or by works, then Christ died needlessly. We need to have the evidence of faith in our lives. A desire for the church, for the fellowship, for the Word, for righteous living. And if we fail to have those in our lives, we simply this morning need to begin and place our faith in Jesus Christ. And in His methodologies. He is our means of salvation. No work, no effort, no thing will bring you into a right relationship with God. Only that of placing your faith in complete confidence in Jesus Christ for your salvation will get you a ticket to the big house. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And today... You can come right here and I'll be glad to pray with you and tell you what it is to accept Jesus Christ and to begin to live your life in obedience if you will simply throw away your pride. There are graveyards scattered across America that are filled with prideful people who never put their faith in Jesus Christ because they were too prideful. Don't be that person. One man told me, he said, the richest place in the world is the graveyard. All of the people that are buried there, so many of them never professed Jesus as Lord and Savior. And they had so many talents that it is a ground full of untapped potential. You see, God has created you for a specific purpose, for a specific reason. And though you may not view yourself as important, though you may view a pine cone as just a a pine cone, but let me tell you, when God sees that pine cone, He sees hundreds and thousands and millions of billions of pine trees. And if He sees that in a pine cone, how much more does He see in the very human He created in His very own image? We can have a faith in a real God that has given us vital proof that He exists through His very creation He is our means for salvation if you believe but have very little evidence in your life, listen don't let that handcuff you and become a slave to that today wait no more Because the fact is, you will give an account of how you spend your three T's. Your time, your talents, and your treasure. As Christians, you will give an account of how you spend all of that. How much time have you spent serving the church of Jesus Christ? How much time have you invested your talents into the body of Christ? And how much of your treasures have you used to glorify God in the church? We give accounts for those things when we stand before God. It starts today. No longer living by sight, but by living by faith. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you.